Hey everyone, this is Dr. William Clark here. So glad that you're joining us for the Dr. William Clark podcast. This podcast is focused on helping nonprofits simplify the fundraising processes they use so they can build six-figure programs without chasing funders. I don't know about you, but I wish I knew this information before I started working in the nonprofit world years ago. But I'm here to help you build six-figure programs and I'm here to help you on your journey. So would you be so kind to not only listen to this podcast, would you also rate, would you also subscribe, would you also comment on this podcast wherever you're listening? And lastly, would you also be kind enough to share this podcast with a friend or a colleague who you believe can benefit from the content we're sharing? Now, we are here to help and support you on this journey, and I believe that we have some resources that can help you quite a bit. So go ahead, like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast. Now, let's jump into our show. All right, cool. All right, guys. So welcome on in. My name is Dr. William Clark. And for those of you, hey, how are you? Can't pronounce the name Bakusi. I think I'm saying it correctly. If not, forgive me, charge it to the uh, head, not the heart. My name is Dr. William Clark, and I have been inside the Ben Group for, I think, the beginning or close to the beginning. And I was just on the phone with Dr. Rowe, and she was just sharing with me that Ben is about to turn three in a couple months. So it's super cool. Uh, to be a part of the group and watch the group grow. And I uh, wanted to uh, just come on before you guys wrapped your day to talk about Giving Tuesday. And it's important that we have this conversation because many of you uh, might not have done anything for Giving Tuesday and you're like, bro, like, what the heck? What are we missing? Um, it's a nonprofit. It's a clothing brand. I said, okay, great. We'll talk about it a little bit, Danny. But um, yeah, you might not have done anything. And so you're like, man, I think I missed it. And I'm here to tell you, no, you didn't miss it. I think a lot of people look at Giving Tuesday as an end-all, be-all uh, required fundraising approach um, to raising money in this season. I got to tell you, while I do, I did get a number of emails today from partners and uh, frenemies in the industry who are all raising money for uh, Giving Tuesday, uh, I got to tell you, man, that is not the main source of revenue uh, for a lot of these organizations. And if that's the perspective you have, I want to help you kind of think through this a little differently. I want to kind of share some thoughts here and give you a different view of how to approach Giving Tuesday. Um, I want to share one or two strategies that that are going to work for you or should work for you rather. And then I want to uh, answer any questions in the comments right now. Um, so if you have questions, post them in the, in the comments uh, section here. Also, as we're teaching this particular topic, I would encourage you to invite uh, friends within the group, share this within the group inside Ben, encourage them to jump on into the conversation. And then for those who are watching afterwards, uh, thank you for being here. And then also shoot me a comment, uh, shoot me notes and questions here in a video post. Uh, it's, it's live. So when it comes down to Giving Tuesday, I think this is something that's been cultivated over the past uh, couple of, of years or so, uh, where this has been a focus for nonprofit organizations to say, hey, uh, if you're going to spend money during the holiday season, consider spending money with us, right? Consider making us a part of your approach, making us a part of your thought process uh, when it comes to uh, spending all this money. And I got to say, I got to tell you, uh, when it comes to... Um, the money that's been spent during the holiday season. Uh, I, like any other organization, um, I, I, like any other individual, I have really, you know, spent a whole, whole lot of money. I spent a whole lot of money um, it, it, here on Amazon and elsewhere trying to buy gifts for family and friends and trying to figure out, like, what's the best gift for my family, my friends, et cetera, my network. 
And overall, uh, people have said that this is going to be really an opportunity to to spend some of that money with an organization that uh, is doing good, right? So this is where Giving Tuesday comes from. This is the perspective, the attitude. Uh, and many newbies kind of kind of walk into Giving Tuesday with that perspective. They say, well, if, if you're going to spend money uh, on Amazon and uh, given the amount of money I spent, some may say, use this link to break off some money to my nonprofit organization, right? Give us a percentage by utilizing our link. And I think that for some organizations that really does work, that's a thing that really can add value and bring some, some dollars into your organization. However, if you're in this room, if you're taking this course with me or you're listening to this live, I'm going to assume that you want more than just a couple of dollars that you can generate from uh, from Amazon. I'm assuming you're going to want a little bit more than that. You're going to want substantive money or what I call major money, serious money, six-figure money. And if you're looking to kind of tap into that, shoot me a comment and say, yeah, uh, that's what I want. I want serious money. Just say yes in the comments, and that way I know that I'm talking to the right group. So if that's your perspective uh, about how to raise money, then I want to show you a couple of strategies and tactics that you can use right now to raise serious money for your organization, all without chasing funders, right? And these two, these couple of strategies that you're going to be utilizing, uh, that I'm going to be teaching you, are going to come from the perspective of utilizing your board, et cetera. Hey, Vanessa, yes, it's all about sustainability. Giving Tuesday is not sustainable. We got to do more. We got to actually do more than just worry about Giving Tuesday because Giving Tuesday, it happens just about once a year, right? So we know that we don't have many opportunities to make that happen. So there has to be more uh, in our in our arsenal uh, so that we can raise uh, more money for our organizations. So let's get into it, guys. One of the things I want you to begin thinking about when it comes to raising serious money on Giving Tuesday and beyond is it begins with your board. Now, if you think that your board is not necessarily important, let me just tell you, it's really, really important for you to have a solid board uh, who is supporting you, who is in your corner, et cetera. Now, your board is not only required for IRS purposes, it's not only required so that you can get your 501c3 status solidified, your board plays three critical roles, and I tend to call these the three characteristics of a solid board member and a solid group of board uh, individuals who make up your board. Number one, your board members should be people who are capable of making decisions outside of your organization. Okay, These are individuals who should be able to make decisions outside of your organizations, and what does that mean? These are people who will not see your organization as an opportunity uh, to flex or an opportunity to – uh, be them, be their best self. What most people are concerned about uh, is, and I see this in the comments in in uh, Blacks and Nonprofits a lot. They're concerned about can people kick me out of my uh, my nonprofit? And the concern comes from either some sort of behavior you've noticed from board members, uh, or some sort of action you've seen take place in somebody else's nonprofit. And a lot of times, if you're seeing that type of behavior or posture, it's because you may have encountered potentially a board member who might not be appropriate for your organization, and they may have seen your organization as an opportunity to step up, right? So there are board members who only join boards so that they can put it on their resume. There are board members who are only here so they can say that they are doing something, right, who are saying that they are capable of doing something or they're in the process of doing something and they really don't get involved 
in the work in and of itself, right? So you want to make sure you have people who are decision makers. These are people who have their own businesses. These are leaders in other organizations. These are leaders in the community and who do not need your organization as a stepping stool for their own selfish gain. I hope that makes sense to you guys as, as you're listening to this, right? You got to make some solid choices as you're recruiting board members. You also want to make some solid choices as you are serving on the board, whether you are the founder, board chair, et cetera. You want to make sure you are doing what you need to do to serve well on your or uh, serve well in your organization so that you can have the impact that you desire to have now the second characteristics of a solid board member is they must have a desire to provide oversight now contrary to what we just talked about your board is your boss if you are the executive director you do have a boss and it's called the board of directors they are there to provide oversight to the organization. If you are leading an organization or you're founding an organization and your board does not want to provide uh, oversight to you and your organization, you might want to move beyond that particular organization and not uh, that particular board member and not have them on the board. Does that make sense to you guys? If they're not willing to be your boss, if they're not willing to hold you accountable, they are not good board members. First of all, it's legally required. Number two, it's just good business practices. And then number three, without oversight, how can you get better at your job? Super important for you to have board members who are willing to provide oversight. Now, the last characteristic I want to share with you about good board members is, number one, right, they should be decision makers. Uh, in their own right outside your organization. Number two, they should be willing to provide oversight. Number three, they should be willing, able, and capable of giving and getting money. That's their job. They have a fiduciary responsibility to uh, generate revenue for the organization. They are not compensated. In fact, you can say it this way, they pay to be on the board by way of paying their uh, some people call it dues or their board member fees or whatever the case may be, and they are on the hook for raising other monies from other from their network, etc. So those are the three characteristics, right, that are important for good board members. When you have a good board in place for your organization, then Giving Tuesday is really not the focus of the work. Giving Tuesday is just a part of what you do throughout the year because your board provides access to all types of revenue opportunities that we're going to talk about, right? Just going to talk about a few today, but your board allows you to tap into one uh, of the revenue sources you can tap into, which is individual donors. Your board, your board members serve as the first individual donors that you can tap into to raise money. How does that work? As we talked about, board members are responsible for raising money for the organization. Okay. Now, when they do that, they are giving and or getting resources. They are the first individual donors that you will work with. So you have to figure out how to make that happen. One of the ways that we do this, or one of the ways I teach uh, my clients to do this, who join my masterclass, is I teach the tithing principle, right? So let's say for the sake of argument, every board member is responsible uh, for raising 2000 and uh, generating $2,022 uh, for next year. That's their uh, required dollar amount. Now, some board members are going to look at you and say, yeah, I don't have that, right? And if they say that, they probably are not the right board member for you. But one of the things I will tell you that you might want to consider is that you might want to have a board, uh, a, a setup where you teach your board how to donate any amount of money to you. So if you're going to start with the idea 
that your board is going to give $2,022 for uh, 2022, the year 2022. You want to teach them the tithing principle to make that happen. What is the tithing principle? The tithing principle says that you as a board member can break down the ability of, of, of your, you can break down your revenue, your own income uh, into biweekly payments to the nonprofit organization. Most people get paid biweekly. And that ends up being 26 payments or 26 deposits over a 12-month cycle. Instead of looking at the $2,022 as an impediment, you can look at that and say every two weeks, we're asking every board member to automatically give, automatically deduct, automatically deposit into the board of the, the nonprofit account, $77.77. That is much more palpable. That is much more achievable to a lot of people who may say that's a lot of money. So you want to teach your board how to give. When you have your board giving at that level where they're giving $77.77 every two weeks, and let's say you have a healthy number of 11 board members, that means you have a cash flow of $855.46 coming in every two weeks. And on every monthly basis, that means you have $1,700, a little over $1,700 coming in uh, as, as a cash flow to your organization every month. Now, when you think about this over the long haul, our goal is $2,022 for every board member, which is 11 board members. That's $22,242 that we're trying to raise from our board next year. Now, I, I got to tell you, there are organizations that raise uh, much more than that from their board. But think about this, $22,000. Could you just leave a comment here? What could you do with $22,000 in your nonprofit organization right now? Leave a comment real quick. What could you do with $22,000 in your organization right now? How could that change things for your organization? Just leave a quick, uh, leave a quick comment for me. And I'll, I'll wait a moment for you guys to catch up. What could you do with $22,000 within your organization? Might be a delay. Okay. Uh, fun whole breakfast, free breakfast for our students, renovations. Love that. And I'm sure there are more thoughts here that you guys have, right? There's so much you can do with $22,000. And of course, if you raise the board expectation beyond that, you can raise much more money to do much more stuff. Now, I want to teach you how to double that $22,000 right now from your board. One of the ways to do this gain access to a building. Vanessa, very, very true. Very, very true. And I love the way you framed that. It's not always about acquiring a property, but access and controlling a building and leveraging it is super important. But let me also teach you how to double that $22,000 with your board. Now, many of your board members are likely going to be individuals that work at another corporation, so they are employees, and there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, what I'm about to teach you is going to prove that there are some benefits to it. Now, if your board members are employees of large-scale organizations or organizations that believe in uh, some sort of community engagement, you also want to teach your board the idea about the concept of tapping into their corporations for a match OK, some corporations have what they call a community service match, uh, a, a donation match, et cetera. So if their employees care about a particular nonprofit and their employees are utilizing their hard earned money to make a donation, 
to a particular nonprofit, the not the the fat the organization, their corporation will match up to a certain amount of money. So let's say you give five thousand a year to your nonprofit, your your company says, well, we'll match you dollar for dollar up to five thousand dollars. So you can give five thousand, submit receipts of your donation, and your corporation will cut a check for five thousand, which means that you as a board member just raised ten thousand dollars. And and again, we're talking about doubling the twenty-two thousand dollars from your board. So right then and there, that shows you that your board can give and get almost $50,000 just like that. And we didn't even talk about Giving Tuesday. We didn't talk about Amazon Smile. We didn't talk about Facebook fundraising. We didn't talk about any other stuff that most people are thinking about when they're starting a nonprofit. We're talking about common sense things that you can do right now to raise money. Now, this type of stuff that you can do all year long. You don't have to wait till Giving Tuesday to set this type of infrastructure up, and you don't have to be around for a long time. Now, we'll tell you, in order to do this, all of this hinges on the quality of your board. So I'm going to encourage you to develop a quality board. Think about how to cultivate a quality board, how to build a quality board. Make sure you have the right messaging that will attract a quality board, etc. Is this helping you guys out at all? Is this helping? Is this uh, hitting the right notes for you all? Leave a yes in the comments for me. I know it's a little laggy, but let me know if this helping at all. All right. All right. All right. Appreciate it. Vanessa must be intentional. Must be intentional. <laughs> um, I think uh, cool. If I'm saying it correctly, I think that this uh, will stay up in a group. Um, so I think you're you're all set there. All right, great. All right, great. So let's kind of go further, right? So we talked about the board, right? We talked about when it begins with recruiting a solid board. We also talked about having your board give a certain amount and them utilizing the Titan principle. We also talked about the board uh, tapping into corporate matches with your corporation. Now, the other thing you want to do with your board, um, which is more, again, of a long-term play here, this is something that you want to think about, is with their help launching something I call listening parties. A listening party is when you gather people in a hybrid environment, whether it's online, in person, et cetera, and they are invited to a party where they are going to listen to you talk and present the, miss, the message and the mission of your organization. The listening party is an opportunity for you to share concepts and ideas around why this organization exists and how other people can be a part of it, okay? At the listening party, you can do it up and make it fancy, smancy, or you can keep it super simple where you just come in with a cup of coffee and talk and answer questions. But the whole concept of the listening party is to have people have a captive audience present listening to you tell the story of the organization. Talk about some of the things you've accomplished. Talk about some of the people you helped and served. And talk about your big vision for the future. Now, you cannot close the party without making a request. And this is super important. Whether you're doing a live event, whether it's your gala or a listening party, you want to make sure 
that you close the listening party with a request and an offer. The request and is for them to come alongside you to help you and be a part of your journey to help you achieve this bigger vision because you believe that together we can make it happen. The offer is for them to come alongside you guys for a dollar amount, let's say $2,022, right? Let's just go with that number. For $2,022, we need about 50 partners here to come alongside us and be a part of our journey. Now, it more so than your board, this crowd that's going to be at the listening party is going to look at you probably crazy and say, I don't got that. <laughs> you know, I don't have that. They're going to say, I don't have that in my savings. They're going to say, I don't have that at all. Or it's in my kid's college fund. Again, let's go back to what I taught you a few moments ago. You want to teach your audience, board members, individuals, whoever, how to get to your organization. You don't let people just walk away without giving them an opportunity to learn how to give. Well, how do we teach them to give? Well, we teach them the tithing principle. Some people will have $2,022 to give right then and there. They'll swipe the credit card, write the check, take the cash out, give it to you. Boom. Great. There are fewer people like that. However, there are more people who are willing to give every six months, every three months, every month, or biweekly. So that biweekly number, again, was like $77.77. That is much more attractive to somebody than saying, hey, I need you to fork over $2,022. So that steady eddy perspective of giving is what's going to attract people to give. It's going to be a part of what attracts people to give. And again, when you have X number of people uh, giving on a regular basis, let's do the math here really quick. Let me put up my, uh, I created a calculator to calculate all this stuff. And I share this calculator with every student within my fundraising masterclass. And if you guys decide to be a part of the fundraising masterclass, you guys get access to this calculator to understand how to calculate really quickly uh, how much money you can raise for individual donors. But let's just say here we want to raise, let's say we want to raise $100,000 and we want to raise it from 50 people. Uh, let's see here. That's, that's just about right. Yeah. That was spot on. All right. So let's just do this number here, make sure we're right. So let's say we want to raise 100 and. <clears throat> All right, great. Let's say we want to raise 100. Guys, hold on, I keep, <laughs> let me get this accurate. Hold on a second. All right, let's say we're going to raise $110,000 because that, that's as close as I can get to the number I want. Let's say we're gonna raise $110,000. We need about 50 donors, okay? And some people may have $2,200, which is what we're asking every donor for. They may have $2,200. But when we do these listening parties, guys, we're gonna teach people that if they just commit $84.62 every two weeks to your organization for 12 months, they're gonna help you do X. Now, only you know what X is. X is that mission. X is that purpose. X is the big picture. X is what we're the value that we're offering to our community. X is the problem that we're solving uh, for our kids, our youth, our seniors, the single mothers, the folks coming out of prison, et cetera, et cetera. That X is compelling and must be compelling. Okay, so this $110,000 or this $2,200 or this $84.62 every two weeks is going towards helping us do X. And that's the offer at the end of the listening party. When you have 50 people doing that on a regular basis, I want you all to listen to this. That creates a thing called cash flow. 
for any business to be successful and to succeed, you need cash flow. That means money coming in on a regular basis. This is no different from nonprofit organizations. You need ongoing money coming in. What makes the Christmas season difficult for nonprofits who want to do good and do well and do stuff like give away coats and turkeys and socks and shoes and ham sandwiches, et cetera, is this idea that you don't have cash. And so now you're begging people to give to you on Give a Tuesday so you can buy a bunch of turkeys for a bunch of single mothers on the south side of the city who can't afford it versus having cash flow all year long so that you can afford it and plan for it. So you got to create cash flow. When you have 50 people giving $2,200 over a 12-month cycle, that creates a biweekly cash flow of $4,230.77. On a monthly basis, that creates a cash flow of $9,166.67. This is powerful. What could you do with $110,000 coming into your organization? And mind you, I did not mention giving Tuesday tactics. I didn't mention foundations. I did not mention grants. I did not mention events. I didn't mention anything else yet. Yet. And we're talking about $110,000. This is super critical. This is why you got to think beyond giving Tuesday. It's 5 p.m. on the East Coast. If you're watching this, you might have missed Giving Tuesday or you're getting off work on the East Coast and you're about to shut down. So Giving Tuesday is going to be over. So what are the strategies we can take out of today that can last and sustain beyond that? Well, we got to look at our board. It starts with the board. So when, when this replay is up, replay this from the very beginning. Think about the quality of your board and watch how this progresses. When you rewatch this training, watch how this progresses from a quality board to ending up with $110,000, six figures, what I call major money. That's a Giving Tuesday strategy that can help that matters. So when you get a couple hundred bucks from Amazon, when you get a couple hundred bucks from Facebook, when you get a couple hundred bucks from your mail list, you won't be crying over it. In fact, you'll be happy about it because it's just adding to the base that you already created 12 months prior. Is this helpful? Did this help anybody in any way? Let me know in the comments. I know it's a little laggy, uh, but I'll pause for a moment. Let me know if this has helped you. Also in the comments, while we're here, go ahead and ask your question. Type it in and uh, yeah, let's see if we can get some questions answered. I'm not sure if I can bring folks on to the live with me. Um, don't know if that's possible. But in the meantime, uh, let me know if that helps. Uh, Kual, um, the best way to get connected with me is to go to my website, drwilliampclark.com. Again, that's drwilliampclark.com. And then there, you can get on my calendar to schedule a free consultation. Go ahead and schedule a free consultation and uh, there, and I think it's also in the, in the description here of this video, schedule a free consultation. You'll be able to get on my calendar and connect with me and chat about your nonprofit and your worthy cause. Uh, I understand, Kowal, there's a struggle with uh, donors uh, leading a Black-led organization, and you know I, I get that. And I think part of solving that problem uh, is finding out how to build a quality board to help you navigate that. OK, so your board is super important in helping you get past that struggle so that you can connect with the right donors. Uh, Lissandria, yes, I just gave you part of the blueprint. Yes. Take that back to your board. 
Um, if you want to get on my calendar, Lashandria, go to drwilliampclark.com, get on my calendar and select a date and time for us to chat about further ways to frame out an approach for your board. And it's interesting because I'm looking at your comment here and it seems as though the sense I get is that your board is hungry to help and support. And if this strategy helps, I want to I want to talk about it a little further with you, Lashandria, so that you can have all the tools you need to sell your board on moving forward with you uh, so that they, too, can be a part of the journey to help you raise uh, the money you need for your worthy cause. Other questions and comments for me in the chat here. Come on, uh, type them in while, while we're here together, guys. Other questions, other questions, other comments. You're welcome, Lashandria. Other questions or the comments. For those of you who are, while we're waiting for other questions and comments, for those of you who are looking to engage in a deeper conversation, more intentional coaching, more support, I'm going to encourage you to uh, submit your application to join the nonprofit fundraising masterclass. And the masterclass is an eight-week session I host where we talk about fundraising for eight weeks. And I go deep. And so if you enjoyed this conversation, I'm going to encourage you uh, to submit your application to be a part of our next cohort of the Nonprofit Fundraising Masterclass, where you can get even further teaching and get all your questions answered. You can submit your application by going to nonprofitfundingstrategies.com. Again, that's nonprofitfundingstrategies.com. The Masterclass is uh, 1997, I think. <laughs> I think it's 1997, but we got a 50% off sale going on right now. Uh, so I encourage you to take full advantage of it while the price is at its lowest. And we do offer several payment options. Uh, so if you go to nonprofitfundingstrategies.com, uh, you'll see all the information you need there. We'd love to have you part of our cohort, Vanessa. How do I start the process? Um, say more about that, Shamika. Tell me more about what you're trying to accomplish with healthy drinks and youth clubs. What, say more about that so I can have an understanding of what that means. All right. So is that a question, Kowal? Before I respond, you want me to answer that question about how to um, articulate impact or how to generate impact? What is, what's the question you want me to answer there? All right. So one of the ways to get into the um, public um, public school system, uh, Shamika, is to go to to identify um, on the the website, uh, the public school website, whoever is responsible for community schools or community engagement. This individual typically, this individual, excuse me, typically uh, is responsible for working with outside partners 
to bring them into the public school to serve the needs of uh, families, i.e. the students. If you have a service product or whatever you want to recommend to the school district, figure out what the RFP process like is like, figure out when they are taking on RFPs that may be aligned with what you have to offer. If there's nothing right now, but there is interest on, on both sides, I'm going to encourage you to slow walk the relationship. That means you're going to have to be consistent uh, with being, building a relationship with that particular individual who's a gatekeeper and a decision maker. Show up at the schools anyway as a volunteer. Provide what you can so that you can begin to produce results and then begin to look at and talk about how can we fund this and partner together. I'm telling you this from experience and um there's more to that story, but I think that uh, I think that's a great place to start. Uh, Kual, uh, one of the ways to articulate impact is to figure out what the key indicators of success are. So I don't know what your nonprofit is into, but I would encourage you to identify the top three indicators of success. So, for example, uh, in youth workforce development, the top three indicators of, su of success as a funder sees it uh, is graduation. Uh, uh, excuse me, let me back up is recruitment. Graduation from a training program, placement in a job. The fourth indicator, which is probably what more, more funders care about, uh, is retention in the job. Those four indicators are the keys to success when it comes to youth workforce development or workforce development overall. And so if you don't know the um, indicators of a success for your organization, then I'm going to encourage you to look deeply into that. Now, you said K-8 to private school. While I understand the audience, I don't know what you're doing with them and for them. So it does differ. I will tell you, we just got into the sixth, seventh, eighth grade space. And right now we are focused on some preventative work. We're also focused on youth workforce development, even at that age. And right now we have two perspectives that we're working on for, uh, for our sixth, seventh, eighth graders, exposure and self-advocacy. Those are the two things that we're focused on. And we measure success by the, re by the reduction of suspensions, by the increase of number of eighth graders graduating, going to high school on time. Uh, by uh, up, up the, the, the improvement of grades and uh, the reduction of absenteeism, okay? So those are indicators of success. Where did we get that from? The data, the data from the state, the data from the school district suggests these are problem areas. And we proposed that in part, our program can help solve that particular problem. All right. Uh, Vanessa, got your message. I appreciate it. I, I do pray blessings and open doors for you. The masterclass will be here when you're ready. And uh, when you're ready, we will be glad to work with you and bring you into the masterclass. All right. Yeah, cool. So all that kind of ties in if that's the work that you're doing. So I think I just gave you some of the blueprint there for some of the indicators of success. So if that's in part uh, what you're into, what you're looking at, then you got, got to figure out what those indicators of success are. And if I articulated them, take them, run with them, figure out what you guys have accomplished up to this point as an organization, as a group, and talk about that story in comparison to what it looks like without your organization. So because the organization, we've seen a decrease um, without the organization, we see an uptick in suspension. We see an uptick in absenteeism. We see an uptick in grade slippage. We see an uptick in kids not leave graduating eighth grade and going into ninth grade. However, since we begin our program and implementing some of the things that we have created for youth and young adults in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, we have seen a decrease in absenteeism by 10%. We've seen a decrease in suspension by 5%. We see an increase in grades 
by 20%. And we've seen a significant increase in kids graduating, going to high school on time by 40%. Now we have a vision of accomplishing X, whatever X is, Koal, you got to talk about that, talk in big picture uh, words. And you're going to talk to your community and say, hey, in order to do that, we need your support. We need your financial support. We need your backing. We need your voices. We need all that stuff to accomplish this because when we do this, we're going to achieve that. All right. So I hope that helps you, Koal, in terms of framing impact. For those of you that don't know how to obtain impact because you may say I'm too new, et cetera, I'm going to give you another tip before we wrap this live. One of the tips uh, that has worked um, uh, excessively for, for me and for my clients is figuring out, one, if you have some money in the bank, let's assume that you do, let's assume you're giving to your nonprofit organization, et cetera, let's uh, – one of the things you want to do with that money um, besides join the masterclass, hint, hint, <laughs> uh, is figure out who you can partner with that's doing similar work as you in the community. Okay. And I'm not talking about another newbie, another organization who's just as young as yours is. I'm talking about partnering with other organizations who are considered mature, been in the business for a while, who are getting major results. You want to begin thinking about how you can invest your resources, your finances into other organizations by giving grants and or supplementing expenses, no matter what the amount is, no matter how little or great it is. Those funds allow you to invest into results. When you invest into other programs, when you invest into other uh, projects or other organizations who are actually doing the work and you're just now getting off the ground, that becomes a basis for measuring how the impact has been achieved because of your investment. And when you begin to look at those results from that initial investment, you begin to see a huge opportunity uh, for your organization to start to talk about this is the impact that we've been able to have thus far. However, we want to do more. So start there, and hopefully that gives you a, a jump start in uh, generating results. Any other questions, guys? Any other questions? Any other comments? Give it a few moments. All right, guys, this has been great. Uh, I hope that you got some value out of this. And for those that are watching the replay, um, stay connected. Leave a comment. Tag me in a comment. Tag me in a post. Send me a message uh, via Facebook or whatever uh, platform you find useful. I want to make sure that I'm being a helpful resource to you on your journey to raising money for your nonprofit organizations. Yeah, the community needs you. Um, thank you, Qual. The community needs you. And you cannot be of service and of value if you don't have resources. So please stay connected with me. And I look forward to connecting with you guys going forward. If there's anything I can do to help you guys, please also, in addition to leaving me a message, get on my calendar. Go to drwilliampclark.com. Again, it's drwilliampclark.com. Go ahead and get on my calendar. Click on schedule free consultation. I'd be glad to speak with you and talk about fundraising strategies that could work for your organization. With that being said, guys, be well, stay safe. Hope you guys have a wonderful holiday, and I'll see you guys during the next live. Peace, everybody. Hey everyone, this is Dr. William Clark here. I just wanted to come on really quick and say thank you for listening to another episode of the Dr. William Clark podcast. We are here to help you uh, simplify your processes so you can triple fundraising results to support the programs that mean so much to you. Would you be so kind to like, comment, and share this particular podcast? We are indebted to you for being faithful listeners to this particular podcast show, and we want to continue to spread uh, this message to other people who can benefit from it. So please share this podcast 
podcast episode and entire show with your colleagues, your friends, and people who you know can benefit from this. You can connect with us in two ways. You can go to drwilliampclark.com. Again, that's drwilliampclark.com. Or you can visit us at mysixfigurefunding.com. Again, that's mysixfigurefunding.com. There you can register for our free upcoming webinar, How to Triple Fundraising Results Without Chasing Funders. It is possible, and I share with you the secrets on how to do that. Thanks again. We'll see you in the next episode.